All right. I the last time I started talking about um well, I think I called it the way because that's what we most that's what we spent most of the time talking about was just the the way um that God leads us, what is the way, what does it even mean? What does it mean that that God has a way? And um and I'm gonna I'm gonna continue with that as we get into Exodus fourteen fifteen tonight, maybe sixteen, I doubt it, but um I I just as I was writing notes I just felt maybe this all sounds like so repetitive to you guys. I don't know. I, I, I just I kind of have a have a uh I th- I think it has to do with the fear of the Lord. I I, I guess I just have this, I don't know, concern, I guess, that, um, both in me sharing and in folks listening, that we are, are always careful not to get ahead of the, the light, to run ahead of the measure of Christ that's working in us. This is, and this is the part that I know I say all the time, but I just can't seem to stop. I can't seem to stop saying it for some reason. I, I, this isn't about a Bible study for me. This isn't about figuring out the Old Testament, thinking that you get it, that you understand. I mean, there's a lot of reasons that people get excited about studying the Bible. I found that. Um, to be really true over the over the years, there's a lot of things that um, that excite people about Bible about studying the Bible. Uh, part of it is a lot of it, and all of it could be completely uh, exciting to the wrong man, to the wrong nature, to the wrong the the wrong thing in you, the thing in you that God actually needs to kill. And I and I find that to be. Uh, I don't know. I, I just feel like I, I bump into that a lot, and in, in not not just in uh, other people, in myself, that tendency as well. You know, figuring things out can be interesting, can be exciting. Piecing together theology, piecing piecing together uh, Bible stories and types and shadows. You know, self righteousness is is pretty exciting. People don't usually say that that way, but. But just feeling like you're spiritually getting somewhere, feeling like you're finally, you know, understanding things, feeling like you're becoming educated spiritually or knowledgeable or deep. There's a lot of benefits um, that religion as a thing, um, as a collection of ideas, beliefs, behaviors, ways to please God, whatever. There's a lot of benefits that, that religion offers to the natural man. And, and they can subtly, they can be there mixed in with, with right motivations or they could be there instead of right motivations. Both of those are, are, I feel like those are really possible. And when I do, I was feeling, I feeling, feeling about this, feel, feeling the same thing after this morning's class. And I don't know why, I think it's just, maybe it's just today. Um, I just, it's a bit on my mind, but, um, I get afraid of a couple of things. Whenever I'm doing like a verse by verse study, like we're doing in Colossians or a chapter by chapter kind of Old Testament survey type thing, I get I get uh, 
one, I get concerned that we're just studying the Bible. And I just, that just to me, you know, that, that's actually a very dangerous thing to do. I know that that might sound weird, but God's words without God's light have proven to be one of the most dangerous things in existence. Nothing, nothing puffs up the natural man more than thinking he has spiritual understanding when he doesn't. Nothing gives a sense of self-satisfaction and self-righteousness. Nothing makes people feel more justified in their, in, in their evil, even, and th- than, than religion. And, um, <clears throat> and I, I just feel like that's so true in, um, in the, in, it's proven to be true in the church over the last 2,000 years. Some of the worst things in history have been done in the name of God, in the name of religion, not just Christianity, but just in the name of God backing up my evil heart kind of ideas. But also just like in the name of, um, higher knowledge or, or spiritual education. And, and I just, I just always, whenever I feel like someone might be, and, and, and not anyone in particular, just, just the, just the reality, or that in my own heart, that I'm trying to teach through the Bible instead of knowing Christ, then I start to have all these weird, um, warning flags go up in my heart, and I, I just want to, um, I just want to, be really, really careful. I almost wanted to just shut up for a few weeks and not say anything because I need to always be reminded that the the, the purpose for for my existence is to know Christ, not to know about Christ, not to know the Bible. The Bible points to Christ. Words point to Christ. Types and shadows point to Christ. But if any of those things fail to bring me to Christ, then I am not, I am not honoring those things or Christ. You see what I'm saying? The words written in the Bible, these stories that we're looking at, their, their, their only purpose for existing is to bring the soul to an inward seeing and knowing of Christ. And, and, and you can say that you love scripture, that you believe in scripture, but, and that scripture is the word of God. But if scripture isn't, if the Bible isn't bringing your heart, if it isn't constantly pointing your heart to, um, and, and bringing you into the living substance, the true seeing and knowing of, of the substance of Christ, then, doesn't matter what you, how highly you regard those words you are dishonoring those words you're not you're you've created another purpose for them you have another purpose other than the one that God wrote them down for and that's true about my teachings too you know i everything that i share and i don't really teach by the way that's another thing i get afraid of i, I sometimes I f- i'm afraid that you guys will think that i'm i'm able to teach you and i'm not i can't i can just i i um I can just point to things that have that that hopefully I've I've seen and experienced in Christ and with the with the desire that you would bring your heart to that place and let the Lord um uh see show you that thing so we can share that reality together. But that's as far as it goes and I uh I cannot I remember when I remember when that first dawned on me in, in such a strong way that I could never ever ever teach anyone anything 
that has spiritual relevance <clears throat> at all. And that the best I could do is testify to something, witness something that I've seen. And, uh, and, um, and, and sometimes I, I just feel like, tell, I mean, not, not that anything's happened. I mean, I, I, I get a lot of emails and calls and stuff and that kind of thing. And, I, and every once in a while I just want to stop and like tell everybody, it's, it, pull out like a, a, a bullhorn and just kind of yell out loud as loud as I can. Don't take me seriously. I mean, don't listen to me. I'm not, I'm don't, don't. I mean, ask me questions that I can, where I, I can point you to Christ, but don't ever be satisfied with what I tell you. Don't ever, please, don't ever be satisfied with what I tell you. Don't ever be satisfied with memorizing a Bible verse. Don't ever be satisfied with believing uh, in, in an idea or a concept or figuring out a type and shadow. Don't ever let that be what you're after. Please. I don't want to be, I don't want to be, um, guilty before the Lord of helping people figure out the Bible. <laughs> that sounds, I know that sounds weird, but I seriously don't want that on my head. Uh, I want to be along with you and, and everyone functions in maybe a slightly different way in the body of Christ. I don't want to function in the way that I'm supposed to function, but I want to be along with you growing up in the seeing and knowing of Christ. And, and if anything other than that is happening in in us, then we just need to we need to let the Lord cut us. We need to let the Lord prune us. The, the, Stacy this morning was sharing um, in Marcus Your Fellowship about uh, about that John fifteen. You know the ones that are um, the ones that are growing. He prunes back, and 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 that's a good thing. But you have to realize that. Wherever you are going ahead in your heart, in your mouth, in your ministry, in your church, in your anything, wherever, wherever you're going ahead of the measure of Christ in you, wherever you're running ahead of Him, then you 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 will have to be cut back. The day of the Lord, and when I say the day of the Lord, I mean the seeing, the light, the seeing of 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 things as He sees them. That's that's what I, I I understand the day of the Lord to be. It's the it's your heart facing what He sees in perfect light. It's your it's the day where all the enemies no longer look like enemies because they're exposed for what they are. It's the day when they're destroyed. It's the day when truth is vindicated and and Christ exalted. It's the day when when man is humbled and Christ and the mountain of the Lord is higher than every other mountain. It's it's all these things that the prophets describe, but it's not because the right time has come. It's because the right light has come. That's what happens in the day of the Lord, and and the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord shows you your. It, 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 there's two. There's two sides of the day of the Lord. There's a great side and a terrible side. There's a. Consider both the the kindness and the severity of the Lord. Paul says the 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 day of the Lord shows you these two things. One of them is, is this incredible reality that, um, that that 
cannot be challenged, cannot be manipulated, cannot budge. It's just real. And then the day of the Lord also, in, in the light of that, shows you every conceivable thing that has not come out from that light. Everything that's grown that hasn't grown by that seed. And be very careful. Paul talks about, be careful how you build. It has to be this living foundation increasing. Be careful what the, that the growth is the growth that comes from God. Be careful that the temple is filled with his spirit. It can be filled with a lot of things. There's a lot of idols you can put in that temple. And, um, and 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 just I just I war I want to warn you I want to warn me I just I feel like I've been warning myself all day but uh, I'm bringing you into my warning here <clears throat> if you don't mind um, I warn you of the day of the Lord the day of the Lord will not leave one of your opinions standing that hasn't been birthed and formed in the light of Christ the the, the day of the Lord will not leave. It won't leave your ministry alive unless, only to the measure that it, what you call ministry is the outworking of the indwelling Christ for his own body. The day of the Lord won't let your teaching be relevant unless it's a pointing, a, a, a proclaiming, a testifying and witnessing to all that is true and finished by Christ. The, the the day of the Lord won't let it, it. Everyone has to stand in the day of the Lord and 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 stare at um, God's perspective of all things in His perfect light. And He has appointed that day. He the Lord has appointed a day. And and again, I'm not talking about time. I'm not talking about a day that's coming. I'm talking about well, it might be coming always and it's coming to you if you're not willing to look at it right now you could say you have to face it if you're an unbeliever too because ultimately everyone faces it but it's not a matter of i don't see the day of the lord as a as an issue of time i see it as an issue of light god called the light day he didn't call time day and the day of the lord is you don't you can't argue with it and it's and it's it is real and it and and one way or another um you're going to have to face it and everything that didn't come out of everything that wasn't the living um increase and um fruit of the light the fruit of that day accomplished by sons of the light and and the ministry of light and whatever then then it's going to be cut back it's going to be pruned off and um everything you could say this way everything that you've learned with your mind and you don't know in your soul in the light god wants to take that from you do you hear what I mean? God, that's from the wrong. It might have all the right words attached to it and 50,000 Bible verses and sermons to, to prove it. But I'm telling you, if you've learned it in your brain and, and, and it's not a reality in your soul, God is, God is there with a hatchet trying to cut it down. It's the wrong kind. It's the wrong seed. It's the wrong nature. Every, and everything that, and I, and I feel the, the fear of the Lord about this with what I share too, because I know that whatever I share that makes sense because it explains a verse or because it fits or because it sounds right or because what whatever it, if if I share it just because it makes sense and it doesn't come out from a a real knowing of Christ then God's after that thing the day of the Lord won't let it stand and um 
And in my heart now, I think more than ever before, I am becoming, um, I'm becoming aware, conscious of the fact that I need to, um, in, in the words of, uh, in the words of Isaac Pennington, I need to be careful to be nothing more than what Christ has been made unto me. I need to be careful to be nothing more than what Christ has made unto me. I have nothing more to offer you than that. That have nothing more to say. I have nothing more to know. I have nothing more to, to speak of. I just need to be, I just need to hold real closely and tightly to that measure of Christ that's been real in me. And don't run out ahead. Don't, don't jump out ahead. And, um, cause whatever, in whatever way I do that, he'll take it. You know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to ever be glad that I did. And I'm not talking about condemnation and fear tactics and hellfire and brimstone. I really am not. In my heart, it's not like that. It's not, it's not terror and, and God hates me kind of stuff. It's not that at all. I, 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 I th- those thoughts don't make sense to me in the, in the light that I've seen. But what does make sense is, is just that this, this, in, in, in a clear view, this is about the knowing and experiencing of the Lord Jesus Christ in the soul forever. And there's there's light and truth and reality in him, and then there's everything else besides that in me. And and we should be together in these times together, um, trying to to grow up in exactly that. To point to point to point each other to um the <clears throat> The places where we found water and say, Hey, have you dug there before? Have you looked there? You know, cause there's a lot of, there's a lot of awesome water there. And I don't, well, I probably don't need to say much more about that. Um, okay. So if you're still in the mood <laughs> to listen to, sorry, I just had to get that off my chest. Um, if you're still in the mood to listen to me talk about Exodus, there's a few, there's some things here that um, I I want to go on and say about the way and um, and that that's just what I've been seeing. You know, I get I, I bet if I taught this class a year ago and I was teaching in these same um, scriptures, I probably I probably would um, have. I would have focused on some of the same things, but I just wouldn't have maybe called it the way or seen it in the same uh, light as the way. I, gu- I guess what I'm seeing here is that God did this um, did this finished work, this amazing work in in uh, in the Lamb, in the death of the Lamb, and, and baptizing them into this death. And then what I'm seeing in in the wilderness right here is is just the way that God is bringing them and. What, what, what is the way? Well, every seven-year-old Sunday school kid raises their hand and says, Jesus is the way. And that's true. But what does that mean? We can all say that. Um, we could say that about every one of these types and shadows. Jesus is the Red Sea opening up. Jesus is the Lamb. Jesus is the victory over Pharaoh. Jesus, okay, that's all true. But what does that mean? What does that mean for you right now? Um, what does it mean that Jesus is the way? Well, I think it means that every 
everything that God calls growth or progress is the soul's knowing knowing of Christ the way the way forward and i don't mean a bunch of steps and ladders to climb i mean he, he you start in the you start being given the fullness of god's salvation but the way that anything actually changes or the way that you actually bear the image of it the way forward is the way into the knowledge of God, into God revealing and causing you to know and experience Christ. So that's what I mean. When I say Christ is the way, or when Christ says, I am the way, I think this is part of what that means. I think it, I, I don't think it just isn't just one more title for him. I think that he is at every step knowing him in a greater measure is 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 the way that God is trying to lead your heart and that's the path the path is the revealing the unveiling the opening up of Christ to the human soul a Christ that you've already received and yet a Christ that you don't know it's a salvation that's ready to be revealed it's it's a it's a life that needs to appear for you to understand where you are and what you are and what he's done. Whenever Christ, your life, is revealed, then you're revealed together with him where he is in glory. And so that's what this journey, that's what the story of Israel's journey is is meaning to me. It's it's God revealing Christ. And 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 that's what the Red Sea is all about. That's what the victory over Pharaoh's army here. That's what the coming out onto the other side in the Song of Moses is about. That's what the hunger and the thirst and the and the waters of of Mara and and the striking of the rock and every and the manna and the everything. I mean, that's it's not just like okay, God, you know, sees this people. They're grumbling. What should I do this time? I'm gonna let's see. How about if I shoot down some bread from the sky? Let's try that. Or or all of it is so intentional and it's so perfect. And I was just, I was marveling that we probably won't get to this tonight, but I was, I was laying, laying on the couch last night. I was reading Exodus and I just, I don't know why I'd never noticed it so clearly before, but it just, you know, he's, they're, they're thirsty again. It's like the third time they're grumbling and God says, okay, go over to this big rock. I'm going to, God says, I'm going to stand on the rock and you strike the rock. And, and I don't know why I've never really noticed that so clearly before, how, how the staff of Moses is striking God, standing on the rock. He, he actually says, I'm going to go stand on the rock and then you strike it. You know, he's like, strike me and I'll bring out the water. Take the, take the staff, the same one that brought the judgment to, to, the same one he says you struck the Nile River with and turned it to blood is now going to bring forth water. It's going to bring forth both blood and water, the same staff and go over there and I'm going to stand on the rock and you just whack me with it. Is my paraphrase, and there comes the water. But and then, you know, um, I don't know that. That's that's for another another night. It's coming up, coming up pretty soon. But all of these things are these stories are not just tests of obedience or ways that God provides for the natural needs of His people or or 
you know, the power of the praying mother or all this stuff that we say, the lessons that we pull out of this, um, you know, I I believe mothers should pray, by the way. I'm not trying to crush that or anything. I I just, it's just, those are the lessons that we, um, that we try to, we, we see anything in these stories except for the revealing of Jesus Christ. Somehow everything, we, we come up with, I don't know how many thousands of morals and lessons and, uh, life applications that we have found in the story of the Exodus that have, that aren't the seeing and knowing of Christ that aren't the way, that, that, that aren't the way. And I, that just, that freaks me out. I don't know about you guys, but, um, I, I just, I, I'm afraid of my, my mind. It is a dark and foul thing, uh, without light. And, and if the light that is in me, if what I'm using to see is not, um, if, is not, is, is darkness, then how great is that darkness? So, it, it, it strikes me that we can find and I'm saying this kind of because I read some commentaries, some famous, famous commentaries, you know. And you read these stories and the commentators have nothing to say. I'm sure there's an exception, so I'm not trying to judge every whatever. I just, you read through some of the famous commentaries on some of these stories and there's nothing to say except here is another example of God providing for his chosen people or here is God punishing his people for being disobedient to his laws. Or it's nothing about Christ. And Christ himself said it was about him. And so did Paul. I mean, the whole thing. In fact, Paul says the whole Exodus story, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, first, the whole first, what, 11, 12 verses, is, is basically telling you that that whole story was written for us, for our admonition, upon whom the fulfillment of all this stuff has come. And, and, and he even says, look, they were baptized into the Moses, into the cloud, into the sea. I'll, we'll read that verse maybe tonight. And uh, and he even says, that wasn't written for them, that's written for you. It happened to them as an example for you, as a physical example of a spiritual reality. And it and, and doesn't matter how many times the New Testament says it, doesn't mean times that Jesus claims to be the very things that, that God is revealing in this Exodus story. Jesus himself claims to be the manna. He claims to be the serpent on the staff. He claims to be the, the true water of life. He's, he's the, he calls himself the rock that they would stumble over. I mean, he, he grabs all of these different pictures that we're seeing here and it's, it just, it just is, uh, what a testimony to man's blindness and hardness that we find almost anything in these stories that that we can apply to our natural carnal life. The very one that doesn't even make it out of Egypt, by the way. And we can't see Christ. Well, you can't see the resurrected Christ with natural eyes. The guys that walked with him for and, and the gals too, right in the garden, Mary who walked with him for three and a half years, they couldn't even see the resurrected Christ with natural eyes. And so you're going to make some kind of a moral out of the story if you don't see the one who has to reveal himself. You don't, you're going to make something other than Christ out of it. That's the only thing you can do with natural eyes. But there's another kind of seeing. There's another kind of seeing. It's the kind that you have to lift your eyes and behold. 
and and the Lord will show to you. Go, you know that's the story of the of the promised land. Lift your eyes and look, and I'll show you. Go walk the length of it, and you'll see it. So, um, okay, Christ is the way. Where am I here? Um, that, that, yeah, so that's just what this journey has been has been to me. Christ isn't pointing you to a way. Christ is the way. Being a good Christian isn't the way. That's not what the way. You know what's the way? Well, you gotta you gotta follow the Bible. No, no, that's not the way. That's not the way. Christ is the way. Knowing Christ's life formed in your soul is the way. Living in a true a true seeing, a true awareness of the finished work of of Christ in the cross is is the way. Living and growing in that knowing is is the way. And in fact, if you don't if you don't keep your heart fixed on him and fix your eyes on Christ the author and finisher of faith and lift your lift up your eyes and look at those things which are not seen and not at those things which are seen and, and fix your mind on things above and not on the things that are on the earth. If you're not going forward that way, then you're not going forward in the way. You're not in the way. So God places you in Christ. And then he brings you into Christ's light. He, he baptizes you into Christ's life. And then desires to show in Christ's light the everything that pertains to Christ. So you, you learn him. So what do you learn first? Well, the first thing you you learn in Christ is that you've been baptized into his death. That's why the very first thing that Israel learned was this experience of the Red Sea that I'm trying to get to tonight. But the first thing you have to... The first thing in the way, in the way of learning Christ, is that you are leaving death behind through death through baptism, through going into the sea and coming out the other side, through going down like the baptism uh, is a picture of, into into water and coming up in the newness of life. And that's what they're about to do here. That's what chapter 14 is all about. But it doesn't stop there because that's not the full... God, God baptizes you into Christ, but then he doesn't say, congratulations, here's your diploma. Now just run around in the wilderness and do whatever comes to your mind. I'm sure it'll be... Uh, as long as your heart's in it, I'm sure it's going to be for me, you know, golden calf or whatever. No, that's that's part of seeing Christ start. I mean, they didn't even get that part, but but there's more after the, you know, and and I'm getting ahead of myself. But the first thing you need to realize after going through this death and burial and resurrection is that you don't even know what true food is you don't even know what your true desires are you don't you don't know what it means to be truly hungry and to find true food you don't i'm going to let you be hungry i'm going to let you be thirsty and then i'm going to per- and then i'm going to reveal my son as the as the solution to that to that thirst and to that hunger i'm going to make known to you i'm going to let you get hungry i'm going to let you get thirsty and then i'm going to teach you that way that man does not live by what you call bread and man does not live by what you call water. And that's all the way in Deuteronomy 8. I just basically quoted Deuteronomy 8 there. 
but but that's what happens right after right after the Red Sea. But getting to the Red Sea now, um, God places God puts a people into Christ in types and shadows, and you could say he puts them into Moses or he puts them into the cloud into the midst of the cloud and baptizes them into the Red Sea, and um, and and he's showing them he's he's showing them the way, um, and. Let's just look at this verse here in First uh, Corinthians chapter ten. I wrote it down here. First Corinthians chapter ten. Okay. Uh, Paul says, "For I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all." ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink for they were drinking from a spiritual rock which wait do you guys see that he's like he's just everything he's saying here is there's no way to argue that he is he is there is it's impossible to argue that he is taking the exodus story Showing it to be, I can't even finish the verses because it's just, it's, it just strikes me as so amazingly clear what he's, what he's saying here. He's taking this story that we're reading in Exodus. He's saying that these things were natural things, natural person, Moses, a natural cloud speaking of something, a natural sea, the, the spirit, spiritual f- food that came from heaven, drink that came out of a rock, all of it. And what did he say? They all drank from the same spiritual rock, for they were drinking from a spiritual rock which followed them, and the rock was Christ. So, the, the 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 drink the part where he says the, the the rock which followed them meaning meaning the, the the substance of what they drank came later they didn't they weren't actually drinking from the actual person uh, in in the same way that that you do from the new covenant but but they they drank in 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 faith at least some of them from these these pictures of Christ these things and and what was God doing well he was he was showing them the very same reality in the old covenant that they were um that 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 we have come into in the new and and what did he what did he show them well he he showed them that one was sent um into that land and in a sense they were you could say that you know Moses is this picture of Christ who goes into the kingdom um, of of the enemy, and a people are joined to him, or or put into him, or rec- related to by God, by him, in him. Moses, kind of in this story, being that picture of Christ, or a picture of a people being put into Christ, and then uh, the cloud is what they come out of Israel in this with this cloud following this cloud but the cloud it's more than just a, a following at this point the cloud is doing several things the cloud is showing them the way the cloud is dividing them remember what it divides between um Israel and and Egypt and in Egypt it keeps Egypt in the dark and it keeps it keeps Israel in the light um this cloud is it's 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 painting a bunch of really important pictures and then there's this sea and um 
And, and then right after the sea, he gets it. Then there's spiritual food, which is Christ. Then there's spiritual drink, which is Christ. It's, it's a spiritual rock, which followed them. And the rock was Christ. And, and all these things are Christ. And, and still some people say, well, I don't really think you should try to be, you know, looking in the Old Testament for types and shadows. And, and I, and I always want to grab verses like these because there's just so many of them and say, what, what exactly do you think? What exactly do you think Paul was talking about here if he's not seeing the Old Testament as times and shadows of spiritual realities? But anyway, what's the, what's the, what's the Red Sea? Well, again, I, I, I see here that God is, is showing them what, I think that he, he brings you, he brings your soul into his son and then everything he shows you, every step of the way of God is the unveiling to your soul of what is real and true in Christ. I think that that's, that's what he's doing here in Types and Shadows, and I think that's what the New Testament describes, and I think that that's what the soul experiences. I think that he brings you into a finished work, and then he opens the eyes of your understanding and shows you, bit by bit, the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ, the salvation which is a person. The salvation, in fact, that's part of the Moses' song in chapter 15, at least in a literal verse. I've been reading from this, I bought this literal Bible and been reading from it. It's kind of, it's kind of refreshing sometimes because it says, God, you have made, or you have become our salvation, or you have made yourself our salvation. And I just was, I was looking at that the other night too, just thinking, that's exactly what happened. God became their salvation. He didn't just save them, He became their salvation. So, so th- there's this, They've already been baptized into the death. They did that when they painted the blood on on the on the lamb. They painted the blood on the lamb. They painted the blood of the lamb on the door, and they went into that death. And they came out in the morning. And here, God is showing them. God is revealing. God is giving them a huge uh, uh, theatrical demonstration of what uh, of the very beginnings of what it means to be in Christ. Paul says in Romans chapter 6, Do you not know that all those who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? Um, the, the same thing could be said here. Do you not know that everyone who was put into that lamb has actually gone into a, 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 a giant sea and come out the other side? And the people say, no, we don't know that. And God says, well, let me show you. Stand still and let me show you. I'm going to show it to you right here. So here you have this picture of uh, of, of baptism. Now, and baptism is a spiritual reality, um, although there are lots of natural pictures of it in different forms. There's the, um, well, there, there, I don't want to get controversial here, but... Um, at least when the recording's on, but uh, we, the, there's there's pictures of baptism um, here and in other scriptures too, all having to do with water, having to do with something sinking down in the water and coming back up out of the water. Whether it's uh, the people here uh, walking through the midst of the sea, or the 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 
Ark of Noah going into the midst of the water and coming out of the water and resting on the high mountain or the people crossing through here and coming out on the other side or or the the Psalms of David where where the the water has overwhelmed him but he comes up or Jonah and the whale where he's three days and three nights in the sea you know in the belly of the whale but in the sea <clears throat> and then he's barfed up onto the land and uh, and then there's an axe head that uh, sinks down into the water and then by the power of the Lord rises back up and floats <coughs> And then there's John's baptism, the baptism of Christ and of the followers of Christ. And, uh, and, and then, and then there is the baptism into Christ, the one baptism, um, when Paul says, you know, for we have one faith and one Father and one um, Spirit and one baptism. That one baptism isn't any of the natural Pictures, whatever your view of water baptism is, um, that's what I said. I didn't want to get, um, I don't really want to get into that, uh, because that doesn't really matter very much to me. What matters is whatever your view of water baptism is, um, it, 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 it's not the actual, um, Saving, it's not the actual putting into the death of Christ and bringing up out of that death into newness of life. It's not that. Only the, the one baptism is the spiritual reality that all of these other ones that I just mentioned point to. And it's not about, baptism has never been about, despite, uh, a lot of wrong, I think, misunderstandings in the, in, in the body of Christ. It's never been about like just a picture of cleansing, like you're putting him in the water and then he's kind of got a, a little bath or something. It's kind of, kind of spiritual cleansing of, of the old man. No, it's about putting you down into death and burial under the water that water always you know, represents in all these stories. It represents death and then the baptism as, as well, going down into water and coming back up. Um, and, 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 well, and that's what I, I wrote on this verse too, in, in first Peter three, where, um, he says that Noah, um, during the construction of the ark, this is verse three twenty, in which a few, that is eight persons were brought safely through the water safely through the water corresponding to that baptism now saves you not the removal of dirt from the flesh but the answer of god for a and this is a different translation for a pure or for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the from the dead. In other words, it's not the cleansing of the outward man through through natural water. It is the cleansing of the conscience, the cleansing of the inward man, th- bringing you up into a a cleanness before God. Uh, a good, a clean conscience, not clean, but a right, con- I know, this word says good, but I can't remember what it says in my other translation. A good conscience before God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, through coming up out of that water, out of that death, right? So, uh, 
anyway, I, I see that. That's that's a picture here um, of the sea. You see a whole people. Now they didn't um, in all of the pictures, whether it's the flood or Noah, or, or I mean, with Noah or this one or, or Jonah. Um, I guess they're all they're all kind of different in the way that they show the people in the in the water or going down in the water and one you know they're in a boat floating around on it and another one they're walking through it and another one they're in a you know whale stomach or fish's stomach or whatever <clears throat> but uh the 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 point is the same you 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 pass through death the only way out of death is by going right through going you leave death by going into death. You go out of your, the way out is through death. So the way, the way out of one man is you got into that man through birth. You're gonna to have to get out of him by death. And so one man is put to death, and then another man, another a, a light, another life is given. And so anyway, I think that that picture is here in the Red Sea. I think there's another picture. I think there's a, a, a again, and we're looking at the revealing of Christ in Israel. That's what that's what this is about. What's God doing? He's revealing Christ. He so he reveals, he reveals the way that they came in to being in Christ. It was through baptism, and then in that very same moment, he he reveals through this sea a clear division between two kingdoms, a clear cut perfect permanent division god says the israelites that you see today you will never again see forever that's like in verse 30 i think or 1430 somewhere around there um no 13 yeah if i wrote it down here 30 is when they see the dead egyptians on the bank okay so Verse 13, do not fear, stand by and see the salvation of the Lord, which you accomplished for you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you will never see them again forever. Exodus 14.30. It's a division. And there's no, there's no carryover from the one to the other, except in the, the, the only carryover was in their hearts. That's the only place. It wasn't in where they really were. It wasn't in what God had done. It wasn't, he had made this clean division that was separated by an ocean. I mean, it was separated by a, by a, by a finger of an ocean. If you, you know, you know what the Red Sea looks like. It's like these two fingers that come up and, and, and so he made this clear, he made this clear division. Uh, a wall of water, an ocean of water, and uh, divided the two things and, and said that they'd never have to deal with the Egyptians again, and they never did, except in the place where light needed to shine to give them a freedom in themselves from what God had made them free from. And that was in their heart. And that's where they struggled. That's where we struggle. That's where they struggled. They struggled in the knowing the truth. They struggled in the, in the walking in the truth. Um, so there's a division. And you see that division in, in, in several ways. You see it, uh, it, it's, it struck me one time that you see it in some of the same pictures that you see at the first creation. Uh, and, and I say first creation meaning the natural, physical creation, this being something of a, of a, of a covenant creation, a new, a newer create, not the new creation, but a newer creation. God creating a people out of slavery and death, creating a covenant, 
where there wasn't one before, creating a people who are Israel my son. And some of the same pictures that he uses in the first creation he uses here. Um, there's the, there's the, uh, um, there's the light. He, he puts, you know, in the very beginning, God makes, says, let there be light and separates it from the darkness. And this, he does kind of the same thing when they're leaving through the sea. He puts light on the Israelites and he puts, um, darkness on the Egyptians. There's the dry land versus sea division, which he does in Genesis, you know, right there in chapter one, where he, he, he the, the dry land is for life and, 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 uh, and is the, the, always the, a picture of or, or the, the increase of the seed or the increase of Adam, uh, the first man in, on the dry land. The sea is always, it's also teeming with life, teeming with a kind of life, but it's not the life that has the breath of life in it. And there's, I'm not going to go back and talk about all that again. We talked about it. I think we talked about that when we did that verse. But anyway, there's a division made between, between dry land and the sea. And that same division is made, um, Right here, there's this, there's the division here between the, cl- the cloud is standing between the, uh, the, the, the two camps. And I don't know if that's in some way similar to the, the division in the, um, in the sky where he made the, there was like the division of the sky between the two, um, the, the two waters. I don't know, but some, some, in some ways the, the language is similar. And, um, <clears throat> anyway, so there's a, there's a clear division made here. I'm running out of time. Um, there's the fact that nothing you see in this, in the crossing of the Red Sea, you, you see that nothing can leave the kingdom of darkness or the kingdom of Pharaoh, the kingdom of Egypt, and, until it has died in the Lamb. And we kind of touched on this already, but you, you, when the Egyptians, who had not painted the blood on their door, gone into the lamb and eaten the dead lamb, when they tried to pass through that sea, it was impossible. Only the ones that had already died in the lamb could walk right through this through this ocean. And anything else that tries to tries to follow them out, having not first borne the death of Christ in the lamb, having not first been baptized into that death, could not. Um. Yeah, there's, I have a few other things here. I just, I wrote down this verse, Exodus 14.30, because, um, it, it, just to point out that nothing of the old, <clears throat> this kind of goes back to the division thing, nothing of the old, um, makes it over into the new. And God, God, not one Egyptian, you know, swam, you know, swam it to the other side, made it to the other side. There's not, you know, and not, not one of them survived. They all, and God, it says, it, it points out in, in, in Exodus 14.30 that it says, Israel saw the dead Egyptians on the banks of the, of the sea. And I just, that, that little, as Israel saw it kind of jumped out at me the last time I read that because that's the whole point, that Israel would see it. You know, stand still and see it. You need to see it. You don't know what God did. You need to see it. Here, let me show you. You know, walk right through. Open up the sea. You have to see this. See the dead Egyptians. And, and, and I guess the reason that that, that seems really important to me is that that is exactly what the Lord would do in our hearts. You know, Lord, 
show me the way, okay? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reveal my son. No, no, I want you to show me the way I'm supposed to live. No, I, well, okay, I'm going to reveal my son. No, I want you to show me how to be a good Christian. No, well, all right, I'm going sh- to reveal my son. No, I just want to show you, I want you to show me what kind of ministry I'm supposed to No, I'm going to reveal my son. Everything, <laughs> everything that God's trying to do in your heart is the inward teaching to your heart of of the one who is the life of your heart, which is Christ, who is Christ. And yeah, let's just let's just look at these couple of verses in, in in fifteen, and then we can just pick up with the end of fifteen next time. I just uh, I just will point out I I I talk about this verse all the time but just in, in in chapter 15 there's just kind of this one of these several places in scripture where there's a spirit given song um and or a little poem or all of a sudden i mean i i think it was completely uh i think that's kind of where the psalms came from too i don't think i don't think david sat down i don't know exactly how they worked obviously but i, I doubt that david sat down and said okay what rhymes with bulwark or you know i don't think that he did that i think that you know the spirit came upon him and and uh and and he you know he proclaimed this this living view and that's what's going on here and the thing that there's two verses in here that just come to my mind a lot um the the main one is is uh 17 and 18 but also verse uh, chapter 15 13 where in this song uh, you get these flashes of uh, a God's eye view of what's really going on here, okay? Or, or how, or maybe you could say <clears throat> how God sees these types and shadows, and what His true intention is with His true spiritual people. What this is really pointing to, where it's going, okay? Um, it's almost like He can't contain himself like he just has to speak beyond the types and shadows for a minute just to get it off his chest or something i don't know just like let me just say let me just say i'm just gonna say what this is all about and then he says verse 15 17 you will bring them and plant them in the mountain of your inheritance the place O lord which you have made for your own dwelling the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established, and the Lord shall reign forever and ever. And that's just, I love, that's, if someone, if someone, what, I don't know if I would actually answer this way, but I just thought if someone wanted to come up to me off the street and say, hey, what's, what's Christianity all about? I'd say, you know what it's about? It's about God bringing us in and planting us in the mountain of his inheritance, the place that he actually made for his own dwelling place, the sanctuary that his own hands created through his son. And then they might walk away and, you know, make fun of me, but that would be a really, really good description, a God, design description of what we've come to in Christ. The other one here, verse 13, it says, In your loving kindness, you have led the people whom you have redeemed. This one says, uh, another translation says, you have bought. In your loving kindness, you have led the people whom you have bought. In your strength, you have guided them to your holy habitation. Very similar to verse 17. Um, but just slightly different language, but both you have this, and and we're going to get to another one in verse in chapter nineteen in in a few weeks where he where he says you have raised them up on eagles' wings and brought them to yourself. 
there's another one where God's just like, let me just, I know it's not time to write Ephesians chapter 2 yet, but let me just kind of say it right now. Because Paul later is going to say he raised you up and seated you in Christ and brought you into himself and all, you know, you have died, your life is hidden with Christ and God. He's, he's going to just come out and say it when it's, when, when it's accomplished in Christ. But let me just tell you what I'm seeing here before it even happens. And he just, he just says these kind of verses like this where, uh, it's like he's, it's like he's saying, I'm going to put types and shadows on hold for a few minutes and just, just, I just want to say this. I just want to say this as clear as I can. Okay, I'm going to stop with that.